Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me, the shark, a sickly shark. Uh, that is something that we want to throw out here early so that you're not taken aback by his grotesque, nasally, runny nose, uh, under the weather voice that you're going to be hearing here in, in just a little bit. But no Taylor, unfortunately, but we do have the shark playing hurt. I got to tell you, he's playing hurt, even though he is sick. Uh, best ability, availability. We're brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. Your college Uber of the week, Jamar Samuels, former K-State big man. That's right, Kansas State Wildcat, four-year player, Big 12 sixth man of the year, Jamar Samuels. He was a hell of a basketball player. We're brought to you by Royal Digital Marketing, a.k.a. RDM. RDM specializes in website development and digital marketing for small businesses and startups. So if you need a website, contact them at Colin at RoyalDigital.co. That's C-O-L-I-N at RoyalDigital.co. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Damel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. Shark, uh, this week I was wrestling with how I'm going to open the show. We like to keep it light. We like to see how each other are doing. Obviously, no Taylor. We also said no football, for the love of God. Obviously, we're not going to touch the NFL with our teams. There's really no point in dissecting that national title game between Georgia and TCU. What a bloodbath that was. And then here you come, albeit hurt sick under the weather giving me some fodder and material for this opener what happened How, just the case of of january i think it's a combination look man it's it's january in new england all right it's january in boston it's cold i got my body's got to adjust to it i'm gonna play hurt no matter what but it's been a tough tough two weeks obviously i wasn't on the show last week sunday of two weeks ago um January 1st, 2023, one of the worst days of my life. Ron Rivera throws out Carson Wentz in a do-or-die game. I'm locked in all morning, so excited for this chance. If you can't beat Cleveland when they got nothing to play for, you don't deserve to get there. As you know, I'm a diehard Commanders fan, and it was just the worst experience, viewing experience of my life. Secondary to that, you know, I'm in a fantasy football league. Everyone wants to say it's just fantasy football, but gosh, my team just threw up a freaking Dud, dude. I got three keepers. I carried over three keepers. Been in this league for 17 years. All right, my three keepers are Lamar Jackson, doesn't show up for the second straight year. Um, Jonathan Taylor, little boo-boo on his ankle, doesn't want to play. And then Justin Jefferson, who's just been a monster every single week, he gets me one in 15. One catch for 15 yards. And then, you know, it's stupid to t- complain about uh, fantasy football and, you know, after the DeMar Hamlet thing, he's doing well now. So I, I feel comfortable bringing it up. And then the next week, I'm in this year long gambling pool. Um, you know, I, I just need the Packers to cover four and a half. I mean, Taylor, he doesn't show up to this freaking episode where I can't 
confront them with these facts. They need to cover four and a half. And I win a box of Z. And sure enough, Rogers playing a Dan Campbell team, just the buffoon that Dan Campbell is. Nothing to play for. Comes out and it's like Vince Lombardi scheming up plays, hooking ladders to just get the victory at the end. Meanwhile, Aaron Jones fumbling his balls off. You got drop passes left and right. Rogers throwing up prayers. It was just, it's just been a horrible football experience for me. And then bam, right after that happens, I get hit with the sniffles. So here I am right now. I can barely talk. You're bringing me out here and wheeling me out at 9.07 p.m. Eastern on a Tuesday night. And I'm just, I'll, I'll play hurt for you, man. You get out there, I'll get you, I'll get you eight and seven, maybe eight and six, and you know, I'll do my best for you for this show so we can move it forward. Kind of like a Jamar Samuels. This is uh, very telling. Look, I know you're a foxhole guy. I know I can rely on you, can count on you. But let me ask you this, and I'm going to pivot away from football because, again, yeah, it's explicitly – I, 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 I said, told I said you no. Stockholm Syndrome? I, Stockholm by uh, Jason Isbell is a beautiful song if you want to splice that in right here. But, no, I don't – no one's ever told me that. You have Stockholm Syndrome. I, mm-hmm. I, was, I was trying to do my best to avoid football. That was explicitly stated in the text – Right away, we go straight to football. But you know what? It was good context for for your sickness. Let me ask you this before we dive into the playbill and some college hoops. Do you think this has any relation to – and you're a healthy guy. But do you think this has any relation – do you think I'm going where you think I'm going? Because it's not. Uh, do you think this has any relation to going completely dry here in January after obviously we've been on a bender from December 15th? up until New Year's Day. No, if anything, I think the dryness is, you know, the reason I'm out here playing. It, 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 the fact that I'm dry is like giving me, shooting me up with a quarter zone shot and getting me out to play in game six or something right now. I think if I had been drinking, it'd be in a worse situation. So, you know, the, I, I think if anything, is this is the right time of the year to do it. I'm splicing in a lot of different dry weeks throughout the year. I've already identified that uh, I did it this year. Dry week, you do it that Army-Navy football weekend. There's no good sports happening that weekend. Um, you know, so that's one of my weeks, the all-star weekend for MLB baseball. I'll put that in there as well. Just got to find those opportunities to kind of tighten it up a little bit. You don't want to pregame drink for the ESPYs at all at no, MLB I, weekend? I think I'm good. I think I'm good. All right. Let's dive in now to the playbill. Maybe a little titch will be a little titchy soup for the soul, right? A little chicken soup, it's noodle not bad. soup for you. Yeah. It's not bad. Playbill. Uh, we got to talk Kansas State. It's been long overdue right now. I'm actually trying to check this score. Uh, I it's think close. It, <laughs> I think yeah, I know. Well, I think I think it did go final though. Let me let me make sure before I start giving them uh, all of their plaudits here. They were playing Oklahoma State at home. Oh yeah, good to go. They win by eight. So Kansas State sitting atop the Big Twelve. What a year so far for them, Sharp. Tell me your thoughts on Kansas State, Jerome Tang going into Baylor, beating a team that he certainly helped build up to the Baylor that we know today. Uh, have we slept on the Wildcats a little bit too long? Is it time to hit the alarm? I No one expected anything from them, right? I mean, they're, they're clearly led by Keontae Johnson, who a couple of years ago had that scary accident for Florida. Keontae Johnson was a terrific player for Florida at the time, and he seems to – completely have, um, you know, revitalized himself physically. And then, you know, the basketball took a next step as well. Obviously the the story was Marcus Noel over the, over the weekend with his terrific performances, but yeah, I slept on him. Jerome Tang, you know, one of those guys that's been a, an assistant for, you know, almost 20 years. He was with Bryce Drew for a long, excuse, excuse me, Scott Drew for a very long period of time. And who knew what it would turn out like. It's kind of like your boy, Tommy Lloyd. You know, do those guys work when they get their own opportunity? It clearly is working with two huge victories for Kansas State. So I think it's very fair game to say that we slept on them. Now, you know, you're no longer playing that underdog. Uh, You know, teams are going to know who you are. You're undefeated in the Big 12. The Big 12 is an awesome conference this year. So let's see if they can ride it out. The Big 12 is an incredible conference. I think Seth Davis pose the question saying like it's not likely it'll happen it probably won't happen but is there an opportunity for every single big 12 team to get in i think that's a bit too far-fetched but that's the conversations that are surrounding the big 12 and of course the biggest surprise is kansas state so let's talk first and foremost about jerome tang i think right now if the season ends he's your coach of the year uh 
he has the pedigree of an assistant coach. He put in the hours and the, and the years with, uh, with Scott drew there at Baylor and building them up to a Titan powerhouse. You make the, 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 uh, corollary between him and Tommy Lloyd. I think what's most impressive with a guy like Jerome Tang, and I don't want to harp too much on Lloyd because he's arrived, but a guy like Jerome Tang, what they do and what's so impressive to me is that they're able to unlock what they have in terms of their roster. Okay. So they may not have all the talent in the world, which I think Tommy Lloyd is able to get at a place like Arizona. All the talent in the world isn't going to go to Kansas state. So he inherits Jerome Tang. He inherits a Marquise Noel. Uh, Keontae Johnson does transfer in, but it's about unlocking what you have, right? I mean, these these guys were there before. Marquise Noel was there. This is his second year at Kansas State. He's playing like an All-American. You 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 asked a couple weeks ago who, and we had this discussion, Tiger Campbell, Dewan Harris, A.J. Hogard had a really good play. Marquise Noel is in that foxhole of point guards that I want on my, on my team. He's been incredible, all right? So I, I think what's most impressive about Tang is that he's really unlocking what they have because you can't just implement any old coach. You can't just do that uh, because the roster may not, the roster doesn't equate to these number of wins. Jerome Tang uh, has been remarkable thus far. They beat West Virginia, beat Texas, beat Baylor to open up league play. And so, you know, people, like you had said, they're the hunted Kirby smart from Monday. He's like, we're going to hunt. We're going to, he said that no less than 200 times. And they did, but they are now the hunted here in the big 12 alongside Kansas and alongside Texas. They're not hiding from anyone. They got TCU right before hosting Kansas. They beat Oklahoma State, obviously, last night. But they got TCU right before hosting Kansas in Fort Worth. They got to be up for that game because TCU's good. Uh, they got to be up for that game. And you know what's weird, Shark? Here's a little qu- quiz question for you. You know their only loss on the air? Can you name the team? I can't. Butler Bulldogs. Butler's the only team to have knocked off Kansas State. So uh, it's a little shocking there because Butler kind of stinks. But that's certainly during the time of when you're trying to find yourself, your identity, et cetera, et cetera. Kansas State playing incredibly well. They are. And I look, it, it's a big week, right? They, they beat Texas. They beat Baylor. They're going to get tested every single week going forward. As you referenced, there's a possibility that every team in the Big 12 can make the tournament. Frankly, I'm not seeing it from West Virginia. I know I played them in my Shark Saturday slate over the weekend. That was a stinky line when they played Kansas. They just got roasted in the second half, so I'm not really buying into West Virginia. They're going to have another opportunity this week, West Virginia is, but you know they're going to cannibalize themselves, a lot of these teams. So unless you get the huge wins, you're not really going to make it. Kansas State, by having such a low number in the loss column, they're setting themselves for a good opportunity. I don't know where they're at Ken Palm-wise, but you know they're, they're very much a, a – tournament team at this point in the season, but that can change quickly as we know. Now I, I was to, you know, I think it's a fair conversation. We probably could have done a little bit more research on this going into it. I was thinking off the top of my head, but the su- success rate of those career assistants, you know, the guys that you always see sitting on the bench next to a very long tenured coach, the ones that I, oh, I thought back to Kentucky with Calipari, they had that guy, Orlando Atigua for a long time. He had the flashy, like the curly gelled up hair. I think he got a job at South Florida, fell on his face, did terrible. Kenny Payne, another guy that was at Kentucky for a long period of time. Then he I went to New York for a little bit, the Knicks, and then he had the opportunity with Louisville, won just an atrocious record that they have this year. It's early. I don't want to judge him too soon, but you know, every for every you know Tommy Lloyd story, there's Orlando Atigua to follow it up. And I'm sure there's plenty of other. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point, Shark. The only thing that I would push back on is you look at a Baylor, you look at a Gonzaga, those are schools that were brought from the rubble, right? The, the whole fiasco when Scott drew took over from Dave bliss Gonzaga, as we know it today is built up by Mark few. So I, I, I would just look at them, I suppose in a different light because Kentucky was always established. Now I'm not saying that's neither here nor there that I'm not saying that's the contributing factor as to why, Maybe those two guys, Kenny Payne and Orlando Antigua, 
Uh, a lot of Jared Grosso in, in in Orlando Antigua, by the way. I've just got to throw that out there. But I mean, you're just you're just looking at the hair gel at that. Point. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> really, that's really it. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a five o'clock shadow, but I, I don't know if that's necessarily the driving force. But I, I do think it's an interesting thing to look at, and I think it's something that that ads and people that are decision makers, and we're going to get to a coach and a, and a program that's going to be we think open come next year, but it's an added layer for for ADs to to look at. I think a lot of times people want either the hot name, maybe the young assistant coach. Why not target some of these assistant coaches that for some reason or another haven't jumped ship ship or haven't had uh, an opportunity to interview like a Jerome Tang. So yeah, I mean, the big 12 is so difficult right now. Let's see how they, how they finish. Let's see how Tang finishes. But right now for my money, he is the coach of the year because He's got right now record wise the best team in the conference in the best conference and he's doing it as a first year head coach nothing short of tremendous here from Jerome I I will go ahead and guarantee you that he does not win coach of the year guarantee so why is that because they're going to lose they're going to lose more games okay. they're going to they're end up on the 7 to 11 line and Houston is not 7 to lose. 11 if they make it yeah if they make it that's if I know they're good, right? They're top. We're halfway through the season here, Shark. I mean, they, they're going to have to reverse. Schedule. Well, but they've played four big 12 games, right? Sure. And they're, they're playing teams that, you know, Baylor hasn't won a big 12 game yet. They won. They beat them by two over the weekend. So as you referenced, they're playing t- at TCU and Kansas in their next two games. You think they're going to win both those or do you think they're going to lose both? I think they can beat Kansas at home. I don't know okay. about TCU. I think they can beat Kansas at home though. They'll lose in, in Lawrence. All right. And then they got Texas Tech. The Texas Tech's fighting for their lives. They're claw- clawing with their fingernails like Al Pacino on any given Sunday. I mean, they're doing everything they can to stay in it. So you got that. And then, I mean, it's just relentless. Then they got Florida. Then they got Kansas. Then they got Texas. Then they got TCU again. Then they got Texas Tech. I mean, that's a brutal, brutal schedule. I agree. That's all I'm saying. If they make it, if they chop a couple of those. Um, I- I'd see them as like anywhere from 7 to 11. And then you're not giving the big t- the coach of the year to – a team on that, especially when you got Kelvin Sampson, who's probably not going to lose another game the rest of the year. Yeah, I think that's fair. I will say, though, that when we talk about the Big 12 and how good it is, one of the major factors for that is because of Kansas State thus far. Uh, obviously, we think about Texas. We think about Kansas. They're the ones that have actually shown it. Texas Tech, I, they'll absolutely be Texas Tech. They're not that good. Texas Tech doesn't have any marquee wins. They need to turn the corner. The other thing I will say, and what's uh, such a Great absolutely sign. beat Texas Tech. All right. I think so. I All think right. so. Texas Tech isn't showing me anything. I think they're playing right now and they're losing. They're, they're losing big to Iowa State, who's also very good, of course. Yeah. We forgot Iowa, Iowa State's State. on the same level as Kansas State. That's Iowa right. State gets no credit whatsoever. I agree. Sweet 16, Sweet 16 last year, rolling again, running it back again this year. They lose Tyrese Hunter. I mean, Otzelberger. Otzelberger's our boy. That guy can coach his balls off, man. He's a great coach. He is our boy. Whose shirts are too small? Or which shirt is smaller, do you think? Pat Kelsey or TJ Otzelberger? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, like actual size, Pat Kelsey is about five foot two. So that shirt is probably <laughs> like literally smaller. But if you're doing a, 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 you know, ratio, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the body to shirt, body size to shirt um, material ratio. I think Otzelberger. I mean, those shirts are insane. They go so high up his arm, too. Well, that's all, a great question. Yeah, it's almost a tank top, but you know what? You, you like the polls. Should I pull it? That That's actually a great poll. I got to bring back some of the poll bit too. Thank you for reminding me of that. I'm we'll do that. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's, that's you, you should run that poll. Tighter, tighter shirt, <laughs> Otzelberger or <laughs> Kelsey. That's good. They're both, they're both relevant too. a hug for college, college of Charleston. The only last thing I'll say on Kansas state, we talk about the schedule. I would argue that, They've already played two of their hardest games on the road at Texas, on the road at Baylor, got the job done. Maybe a very different story come, coming to the Little Apple. That's all I'm saying. I just What about when they – I don't think Texas is that crazy of a home court advantage. I mean, their toughest game is going to be at Kansas, right? Sure. Let's call it what it is. I'm calling that a loss. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, playing at Texas Tech, what else do they got going on at Texas Tech? All they got is Texas Tech basketball. That or the oil rig. They got two options in that town. So, I mean, I, I also look at quality of opponent, and you know my thoughts on on tech so far. You're 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 hating on the uh, the accountant Mark Adams. 
that team, that team is just barely, they're 10 and five. They're just barely below um, Kansas State on the Ken Palm rankings. Don't fall out on Texas Tech just yet. I wrote that blog in in the summer. Okay. The Texas barbecue and brisket, right? (laughs) Because I'm just trying to campaign for all of these Texas teams to get to the Sweet 16. So Uh, we'll uh, see what happens. Now that you mentioned the blog, I'm going to get back up on there. I I got some more free time, so. Football season's over, officially college basketball season. All right, so that's Kansas State. Hat tip for a wonderful season thus far there in Manhattan. We got to move on to the hyenas, though, Shark. We got to give them our attention. Another team that we probably hate talking about only because their fan base is just a bunch of marauders. They're they're just a bunch of mavericks, animals. I've described them as hyenas. I got to think of a new term for them the providence friars all these guys do is win and they win close games shark and they just get ranked when everyone continues to say they're lucky or entering their season they're not gonna replicate what they did last year but alas ed cooley and the boys coming in at 19 give me your thoughts on the friars i think they deserved it i mean you look you look at the UConn game, that was a statement win. The, the rest of their, you know, it was a tight one against Marquette, I think, the week before that. Outside of that, they didn't – they just beat teams that they're better than. I don't know what they were ranked uh, preseason in the Big East, but everyone really knew that their biggest test was going to be – if they are going to win, was going to be against the likes of Xavier, was going to be the likes of UConn and Creighton, right? So they played UConn. That's really their first test. They beat UConn. They definitely deserved that game. Uh, what Bynum went down with ribs in the first quarter, in the first half, and they were still able to win it. Uh, you know, Bryce Hopkins, I, I tweeted this during the game. That guy is impressive. And he really does remind me of 2014 George Niang. Stronger, like more physically imposing, little, certainly less smooth, but they play the same way. Like Bryce Hopkins can literally play point guard for Providence if he wanted to. He can dribble. He can distribute. He's a great offensive rebounder. He's a great rebounder generally, uh, but they have the very, a very similar game where this is what Niang was doing a lot too, being able to take people off the dribble that were bigger than him. Um, he can shoot. Free throws are an absolute guarantee every single time he gets to the line. There's a lot of similarities there. And as everyone knows, I picked Iowa State to win it in 2014. And if Niang didn't break his foot, they would have won. They lost to UConn in that second round. Bottom left bracket, Madison Square Garden. The rest is history. So Providence, they have a huge test coming up. They beat St. John's. That was a good win. You know, a lot of people are saying the win against St. John's wasn't good. St. John's was fighting for their lives. Al Pacino crawling with their fingernails, doing what they had to do. And they were able to win it at the end. You know, that was a huge letdown spot. Um, St. John's needed a win, and they didn't get it. Now, Providence, they don't play during the week. Their next game is on the weekend in Omaha at Creighton. And that is a huge test to see if these Friars can take it on the road against a very good team. Really looking forward to watching that game. Um, but to, to the original point, Cooley, all the transfers that they have to be able to get them to work together, to to row together, to, to find their role on the team. It's the one thing that you notice with the province. And I'm a hater of them. I don't like them. And it's mainly, you know, laced with jealousy because I wish I could root for a team like that at least with Boston College. Um, But these guys really do find their role within the team. You have the two big guys that are so crucial at not only defense, but rebounding, clutch offensive rebounds. You have shooters, right? So like the Noah Locks um, that will get you a shot when you need it. And you got to have someone that can kind of create his own offense to an extent. So, and that's, that's what Hopkins will be at this point, but everyone that they have, Devin Carter, I loved him at South Carolina last year. Um, he's playing a huge role for Providence this year. And I like their team. It's just a question of, I want to see it in a hostile environment against a tougher opponent. So they got the Midwest road trip upcoming, right? You mentioned Omaha. Do they have Marquette after that? Cause that's not going to be an easy matchup either. I'm not saying Fiserv for them. They do. Yeah. I'm not saying Fiserv is crazy for Marquette, but Marquette's a good team. I mean, Tyler Kolick is basically, this generation's white chocolate, Jason Williams. That's all I see in that kid. I mean, look, that's racist. As, as a white man, that's racist. Well, I, you, you you see white one white point guard that can that it's got a lot yeah, of assists, and then you, and, and he's then fun you, to watch, and he's yeah, low to the uh, ground, and he's he's fun. 
Why, why couldn't a, we go? You can't go me, James Harden. Can't go James Harden. He's got a lot of assists. He let me. Well. How about I pull that? I'll pull that as well, and I'll tag Kolick. See if he's offended by it. I can't imagine that he is. But I was gonna say, don't be comparing white guys to white guys because it's easy. All right, Julian Edelman, Wes Welker. All right, that, let's not do that. You want me to compare him to like Tony Parker? I'll take it. I like uh, Providence. Excuse me. Providence going on the road. We are going to learn even more about them, I think, than we already do. But man, th- this team, if you're going to beat Providence, you got to blow them out, I feel like. Because if it's a close game, if it's within five under two minutes, eh, five under five minutes. Providence is probably going to gut that out and win that game. I, f- I swear they don't lose close games. Of course, uh, th- I feel like the last close game that they lost was to the eventual national champion in Kansas, right? So Providence, I think you're going to have to put them away early. Uh, otherwise, it's g- you're going to be on the, the opposite end of, a, of the result that you want. Uh, Ed Cooley, what a magician. You mentioned all of uh, what he's been able to do and what the players are able to do in terms of knowing their role. I want to hat tip Ed Cooley for his roster construction. Talked about the transfers. He knows what guys fit his system. He knows what Providence Friars look like. We talk about what a Michigan man is and all these things like that. Ed Cooley knows. I swear he's got a list of, of bullet points when he goes out recruiting in the portal or even just high schoolers saying, do you meet these requirements to be a Providence College Friar? And it just seems like the last few years, everyone has met that requirement or those requirements, I should say. And Ed Cooley, his roster construction is just amazing to me. It's it's truly beautiful. It, it really is beautiful. They did beat up on UConn. And I thought what was most impressive about that game was they rendered Sonogo pretty useless. Adama Sonogo did not impact that game much at all. Go ahead. Yeah, Crosswell is an animal defensively and he's you can't really move him so that's a great matchup at least when you're playing some of these really good big 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 guys in the big east you know you got the Kalkbrenners, you got the you got the sonogos um you know even uh, jack nunch i think is a good player you know he's more of a stretch four if anything but he's a good player that can bounce him around so yeah i mean to providence though they win close games if i was a critic if i was a hater if I was someone that wanted to point out something that was a little bit eyebrow raising, I'd say the fact that Providence shoots like 40 free throws a game. Now those fans will then say, well, it's because the way we play, we're so physical. All right. Well, um, both those happened when you're at home and in a, in a great environment. Let's see if it happens when you go play, you know, at Gamble. Let's see if it happens when you go to Cincinnati and play Xavier, because that's, that's a huge difference when you shoot that many free throws in a game. Um, and that was the same case against Marquette as well. So I'm just, I'm noticing it. I'm not calling. I'm not saying it's the reason they're winning, um, but it's a factor. Well, you mentioned those venues. We're going to see it this upcoming weekend in Omaha, right? But I think the best way to handle those is to basically just accept it and say, "Yeah, we got a really nice whistle." But at the end of the day, made those free throws, and there there was so there was so much else to the game. I can't. I mean, anyone with a level head will tell you that they were the better team against UConn. They didn't win because of the free throws. Um, it, it certainly helped. So I think you have to approach it like that as a fan because you know for a fact, any fan base pretty much, by and large, if they're wearing the other shoe, if the foot's on the other shoe or whatever the hell it is, uh, they're going to be crying and complaining about that foul discrepancy. So yeah. I think you just got to go <laughs> into it acknowledging, yes, we got a nice whistle. It was at home. But at the same time, we did a lot of great things that helped us win that game. This is where I would di- disagree with you, Father. I, you, you're you're a much kinder, you're much more gentle, you're a warm man. All right, I'm big and talking to you. But I would probably be aligned with exactly what the Providence fans are doing right now, which is to say, you know, screw you. Doesn't matter. We got we got all the calls because we're tougher than you, we're bigger than you, we're stronger than you, we're faster than you, um, and that's why we got him. It wasn't because of the refs favoring us. So. You got to go down with your team and you got to defend your team with every little fiber in your body. So I wouldn't play the nice guy routine that you're suggesting right here. That's your journey. All right. You're on that path. I take a different path. And I think that's probably what a lot of the Friar fans do. I'm just pointing it out as someone that is objective right here. Yeah. They should come after me. Yeah. No, it is by and large what, what folks do, but as a 32 year old adult, 
who gets tired after a long day of work. I don't have the energy in me to go in and start replying to people, random Twitter obbies that, that don't show the real face, basically saying, no, 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 Tennessee Vol guy. Uh, we, we were just tougher than you that game in Tucson. I'm 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 grown up enough to admit that we got a nice whistle, and I was hoping. And, and sometimes that doesn't reciprocate. I, I know it didn't last year, but you know what? I just don't have the energy. There's so many things. My brother-in-law calls me out on it. He's like, "Do you care about them?" I'm like, I don't care. There's there's very very few things that I'll get truly truly riled up at, about. Um, and you you hit me with it again. What's that? What's that poem? Uh, at first, I did not. They came for X, Y, and Z but not me or something, right? Yeah, something to that effect. I don't even know who it was. It was something, you know, I don't even want to quote it. You know the one I'm talking about, though. But yeah, yeah. I, but to, to on that quick point, though, I would say, look, if you haven't experienced a late night on a weekend, it's like midnight, maybe a little before you're bending your team, you send out a tweet, some loser comes shows up in your messages and wants to start going back and forth with you. That's a thrill right there. So I tell you, you should experience it. I know you're looking down on that behavior, but that's a ride right there. That's an emotion. And it's a good experience. If you handle it correctly. If you handle it correctly is the key term. Cause I was, I was tweeting a lot of nonsense after the Arizona Tennessee game and I was far overserved. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to get into those weeds when you wake up, drool all over your pillow open up your phone to like four notifications on twitter from random people telling you that you don't know shit about basketball that's a shot of of life right there and let me tell you something to go you know let's go back to that argument real quick because i know tennessee won by a combined almost 90 points over two sec opponents last week which so happened to be with josiah jordan james playing in both of those games which goes to my original point against if we had had him against you guys, the Arizona Wildcats, who can't seem to beat Washington State on your own own home court, I think it would be a different story. I can't rehash this, number one, because it's over. Uh, what does that say about Tennessee, though, that we did end up beating you? I know you just said no JJJ, but record shows. Uh, but also because I'm sure Providence fans listening to this are like, good grief, they've reverted back to Tennessee and Arizona. Oh. But the last point I do want to make about PC that makes this team, I think, significantly more dangerous than maybe last year when everyone was on Baylor Shireman. Revenge game, by the way, for him, uh, for for PC knocking him out as a South Dakota State Jackrabbit. But everyone was on Baylor Shireman and SDSU last year. Nobody thought this was all. Everyone thought this was all fool's gold for PC, and then they end up giving Kansas a real run. Uh, of course, losing. But what makes this PC team dangerous, even more dangerous, and it's going to sound obvious, but they have a superstar, a superstar in Bryce Hopkins, the Big East player of the year right now if the season ended, potentially an All-American. And and you cannot stress that enough because last year, yeah, you got some good players. You got guys that play together, and I think that speaks to how great of a job Cooley did. But Nate Watson, I love you, Bubba. Not Bubba Watson. But Nate, I love you, but you are not Bryce Hopkins, man. Bryce Hopkins is a difference maker. And you mentioned that, you alluded to that with with, uh, George Niang. Bryce Hopkins is a guy that, I mean, there's always guys that you look for that, hey, can he he put up 28, 30 points in a do-or-die game in a hostile, neutral environment where the stakes are so high? I think Bryce Hopkins might be able to do that because he's put up monster games before. And so I think that is what makes this PC team more dangerous than some of the years previous. Providence, I I see them on the seven, similar to Kansas State, seven to the 11 line. All right, let's give them six to 11. Providence, a six seed, Kansas State, the 11 seed. Who are you picking in your bracket? (sighs) That is a tough one because I'll want to go – I usually like to err on on the side of a team that's played through a gauntlet of a schedule. And if they finish in the top half of that incredible conference, I'd like to go with them. But I've picked against Providence too many times, I feel like, earlier in the year, uh, last year. But then you also look at Ed Cooley versus Jerome Tang. Ed Cooley's 
arguably the best coach in the entire country. Got the Bryce Hopkins factor. I don't think Kansas State has a uh, – maybe Keontae Johnson could slow him down. Marquise Noel, maybe. I don't know. But Providence is a veteran group. Uh, and Keontae they've been Johnson for, and Noah Locke would have been teammates at Florida too. It's another crazy storyline. Quite a nugget. But I would go PC. Who would you take? I would also probably go PC. The reason I ask this is because you look at Bra- Joey Brackett's bracketology right now. They got Providence as a five seed, Kansas State as a four seed. I'm seeing both of those teams go the opposite direction just because that's the way it works right now. Both these teams are on a high right now. It's early January. Can they continue it with a difficult schedule going forward? I'm betting no. And I think they're going to land where I'm saying they're going to land. Um, and that could be a matchup. But that's what we said about Providence last year, that we were just waiting for the for the shit to hit the fan. And it never did. Uh, we have to. Well, they ended up being a five seed. And they made the Sweet 16 after having beaten no one. They're, 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 four, they're, they're a four seed. They're a four seed. Yeah, um, you can, there's no ch- – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they're a four seed, South Dakota State, and then – they were supposed to play Iowa. Iowa got upset by who was that? Uh, Spiders, Richmond, I believe. Yeah, Richmond. And then they played bottom right bracket. But, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I don't see it. I, I think they're going to be in that 6-11, 6 to 11 range, but I could be wrong. Rarely they am, but I could be. <laughs> Dangerous. Da- I mean, that, that would be a lot of fun, though. You talk about an electric player like Marquise Noel and then Bryce Hopkins points baby those guys would light up the scoreboard all right let's move on now shark though to uh some more serious news sobering news um chris beard out at texas that happened sometime middle of last week obviously we weren't able to jump on up until just now to discuss this but huge huge plot point in the college basketball season a shock uh that this all happened not that he got fired but the fact that this this issue has a, a, arose with with Chris Beard Shark, I want to get your thoughts holistically. Give me your thoughts uh, on this whole situation, and I'd like for you. I encourage you to focus in on three areas, if you can. What does this mean for Texas moving forward this year? What does this mean for Chris Beard? And then start brainstorming some potential replacements. So incorporate some of those into your thoughts of what you already have. So for Chris Beard, let me start with Texas. All right. So Rodney Terry's the coach um, in term. They haven't made it long-term. He's been a head coach before. Hasn't been very successful. Um, I I just don't see Texas turning this around and being a final four team at this point. I had them as a final four team going into the season. I think this is too, uh, I don't want to traumatizing but too big of an event for a college team to be able to rally around it and without the pedigree without this coaching staff being around for a long time then you factor in the fact that everyone's a transfer no one really has an identity to that team no one really knows what it's what it is to be a texas longhorn player for four plus years that's a crucial contributor on that team i just do not see the fact especially when you have have an interim that doesn't have the experience of long tournament runs. I, I think it's they're done and they're playing in arguably the toughest conference in college basketball. They're going to make the tournament most likely, but from where they were as a very strong chance at a Final Four to where they are right now, I think it is super deflating for them, and I, I just don't see them being able to get over the hump. It is a down year in terms of elite teams, so anything can happen in March. But I certainly would not bet on them. Uh, going forward, even though I really wanted to earlier this year. Now, for um, Beard specifically, what else did you want me to touch on? I forgot your thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm like the teacher. Like, Here's your essay. These yeah, are right? the three main points I need you to, to incorporate into your essay. What does this mean for Chris Beard? Very difficult, I mean, right? Like, do, so, do we I, see him on a sideline? I don't know. I, I I really don't know. It seems like the state of Texas, I, I haven't been following the criminal case as much. I know his girlfriend or his fiance wrote a letter saying that it was her fault. And you know, I, I've worked in that field before where you try to get victim impact statements and you try to get people that are very um, relevant to what happened and use that as an argument to support your 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 position whether you're someone accused of something uh to try to you know find a way to get back to the position that you are sometimes 
a bell can't get unrung. When you see a police report and a lot of those facts are written out there, Texas is not, you know, a court of law. I mean, this is a this is an institution that is fully within their rights to hold people to a standard in terms of conduct. Um, they write in those regulations as vague and ambiguous as possible. So it gives them a level of uh, wiggle room to be able to fire someone for cause if they want to. And showing up in a police report for strangling a woman uh, for, you know, getting mad about breaking your glasses. I mean, that's just raising your eyebrows as to do I really want this person in charge of my program? So I, I understand the fact that he's not convicted of anything. I understand he may not even be charged of anything at this point, uh, but it's more so about the image and reputation. And don't quote me on it if he's not charged. I, I really just haven't been following it as since it happened. Um, will he ever coach again? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, my gut says yes, but, you know, what is – my gut said yes to Greg Marshall, too. What the heck's that guy been doing for a while? And his was never even rose to the level of being arrested or charged with anything. It was just, well, man, the sickness just led to an incidental burp right there. So I apologize for that. But, um, yeah, Greg Marshall, where's he been? He's actually got – saw Seth Davis floated him for the job at Texas. That would be the most ridiculous hire of all time. If he <laughs> says, yeah. Seth uh, Davis floated that? I saw that in there. but um, Might as uh, well go after Shaka Yeah, Smart I mean, too. for Beard – I feel for him too, you know, because I feel for him. Maybe he made a terrible mistake. Maybe it is exactly what happened. Um, and and his fiance is totally right to say this is a huge misunderstanding, and she called the police out of, um, and she regrets doing that. That may be the case. Uh, but when you're a public figure and you have that level of responsibility, and you are entrusted and you are paid on that level, you can't put yourself in positions where incidental situations could be perceived or could be interpreted to the point that you have, someone has to call the police on your behalf because of your behavior. Um, and look, if he, someone's getting up there and saying he, he's not going to be allowed to get a job and his liberties are being taken away from him, I'd be the first one to say he's never been convicted of anything. You know, you can't be doing that, but the university of Texas is totally within their rights to make this decision for him. Um, and they, they did. Very well said. I have to agree with pretty much all of these points. Like I said, uh, a very serious matter, of course. But let me start first with what this means for the team moving forward, in my estimation. I agree that they're not a Final Four caliber team anymore. Chris Beard is that good of a coach on the basketball court. That's all I'm strictly saying, right? He's he's taken a, a Texas Tech team to within an, an overtime of winning a national championship. People forget that, I feel like. Texas had everything going for them um, early on in this season. And what I think this means for the, the team moving forward is they're going to have to be mentally resilient. And so you think about all of these players that, that have transferred in under the Shaka era, but even like a Tyrese, um, Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State, who was already referenced in this program. You don't think he's getting calls already? I'm sure he is because it's like, all right, Chris Beard's gone. What about the recruits? What about what about a guy like Brock Cunningham, who's been uh, steadfast and a staple of that program for what seems like we joke five, six years? But seriously, he is a cornerstone of the Texas Longhorns basketball team as we know them. And so it sucks for them is what I'm getting at. It's, it's, it's unfair, and I feel like they got duped. And I said this when the news first broke. How do you look those kids in the eye when, and, and that's probably part of the decision beyond the egregious decision-making and the poor behavior. It's how does Chris Beard enter a locker room again and say, I demand perfection from you guys outside of the court, academics, behavior in, in the city, et cetera, et cetera, when I can't uphold that. So I think it's, it's even more brutal because this team had such a high ceiling and you always look at the, the, the bracket, but I think a lot of people had them finishing as a final four team and elite eight team winning the big 12. I think this might be a little too much uh, to overcome. So I, again, it, it bears repeating. I said this when the news broke, but it bears repeating. It sucks for the kids. It also stinks for the assistants and his staff, people that moved to Austin with Chris Beard whose jobs are in limbo now, right? You don't know what's coming up next. When in reality, you, you thought that this was going to be 
10 plus years in the making with a guy like Chris Beard. So you're just jolted yet again. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't know if I've seen a, a sharper, I think is the best way I can think about it. Everyone says bigger fall from grace. I don't know if I've seen a sharper ascension and then sharp and fall than Chris Beard, because this all happened essentially the lifespan of this podcast. I think we started podcasting when, when uh, Texas tech went to the title game. So what does this mean now for Chris Beard? I don't think we're going to see him on a high level D one sideline. Maybe we'll see him at a, at a, at a low level mid major, maybe D two, if he wants to swallow his pride and start again from there. But we're not, I think, I think we're not going to see him at a high level D one program for quite some time. Potential replacements. Let's spitball here for a sec. Uh, actually, no, you wanted to jump in. Oh, just You look at, you know, experience, college basketball coaches with baggage, how long it takes them to get back into it. And we're not talking just criminal level stuff here. So you look at, um, you know, Chris Jans, right? Chris Jans at Mississippi State now. It took him forever to get a job uh, when he was at New Mexico. So he was New Mexico State. Of, New Mexico State, sorry. Um, I was watching too much Richard Patino this weekend. Um, but it, it take, took way too long. He made a mistake when he was at Bowling Green or something like that. He got blacklisted for a while. Finally got another opportunity, worked his way up. But he was never criminally charged with anything. Billy Gillespie. Um, just a, an interesting case as well. He's yeah, at he's at Tarleton, but he did not perform well at Kentucky. Uh, but similarly, uh, had some stuff. Takes a while. Um, Greg Marshall, we know that he hasn't worked his way back up. And then, you know, there's plenty of other examples that, you know, you, you see these guys have to rehabilitate their image. You know, even in college football, Bobby Petrino just got that offensive coordinator job with uh, A&M, right? So it's like it takes time for this to happen. Um, for Beard, it's a little bit different. Yeah. But you're going to ask me about replacements um, to bring it to that next kind of more fun topic, I would say. <sighs> I think they got to look at Nate Oates. I think they, cause it's Texas. You got to swing big here. Um, they just did to go and get Chris Beard. Uh, I would look at Nate Oates. I would look at Kelvin Sampson. I would look at, I don't see Calipari getting fired by Kentucky, even though they're, they're just such a disaster right now, but he could be someone that could potentially go there. Uh, but I, I think those are the ones, maybe Musselman. We know Musselman's track record. He likes to bounce around, you know, you know, be the snake oil salesman that he is. So he he could do that to Texas. You just got to go a little bit south. So I, I, I think those would be the, the candidates that raise the level for me. I know Royal Ivy, um, former guard there, is an assistant that, you know, has worked to you know, establish himself as a coach. He could be a candidate as well. Thank you for mentioning Royal Ivy because I think he would be the first one I'd call. You wanted to get a Texas man. You got that in Chris Beard, and then that fell flat. Go get another one. Go get Royale Ivy, who did great things alongside Kevin Durant and, and contributed a ton to those tech, Rick Barnes Texas programs. But also, he's been through a lot of NBA coaching experience. He's on the Nets right now. He has a really good pedigree. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of envisioning him almost as like a Jawan Howard. Right, Jawan Howard was a Michigan guy got some coaching experience at the professional level, came back to his alma mater. And I mean, he's had four, four or so years at this point. I'd like to see what Royale Ivy can do for Texas. Okay. Uh, you had mentioned Musselman. I always look at, I always look at prestige. Arkansas is a better basketball job, I think than Texas, but Texas will out-resource pretty much anyone in the country. They will out-salary pretty much anyone in the country. So if you value that more than, you know, building up and, and you're on the precipice of a Final Four at a school like Arkansas and, and you care about the dollar bills, then I can't blame you there. Well, I, I agree that Arkansas is a better college basketball program, but I, Musselman, he's an attention. He's an a me guy. He wants to be in the spotlight. All right, let's not let's not pretend like that he isn't that. You don't take your shirt off and go screaming in the stands if you don't don't have a level of narcissism. They, uh, just a little sprinkle of narcissism in your body. And Texas, you can go on the Longhorn Network. They got their own freaking network, and you get a lot more attention when you go there. So that's why I would think Musselman may be able to make the jump. He's not going to give a damn about what Arkansas did in the mid '90s. He may say he does just so he can get more attention and get more people to look at him. But he's a me guy. You think he 
he'd rather share the stage with Steve Sarkeesian or, or Sam Pittman. I feel like nobody even knows who Sam Pittman is down there at Arkansas. I feel like I feel like Mush should stay only because he's right there on the precipice of getting to that Final Four. I think that's another. But do you think they're going to make the Final Four this year? Well, they got to get healthy. I want to see yeah. it healthy. They got to get healthy. They can't shoot for shit. They can't score. No, they, can't. I, they got they got a big one against uh, um, Alabama tomorrow night. But jeez. Yeah, but that's actually a good segue because I agree with you. Nate Oates should be the most realistic, I think. Him or Royal Ivy. But if you want to talk college basketball coaches, Nate Oates is your guy. You're going to be able to pay him more. You're going to be able to give him more resources. And it's a better job than Alabama. All right. And there's no, there's nothing wrong with being second fiddle. But if Nate Oates wins a national championship, I promise you Bama fans will enjoy that for about two days before they start getting back on the message boards about – who is going to replace Bryce Young and start caring about Alabama football. So if, if, if I'm Nate Oates and I get that call, I've done enough at Bama to show that I can get this Texas job. I jump at it. So I would look at Nate Oates. Don't sleep on Grant McCaslin either. He knows the area coach at UNT. He's proven that he can win tournament games with North Texas. Like I said, knows Texas. Well, watch out for him as a name. And then this is actually a decent little segue into our last little topic before we wrap up. Uh, Brad Underwood. Brad Underwood in the – look, Brad Underwood's a little shaky right now. His te- They still haven't won a tournament game under him at Illinois. He gets that call from Texas. He has Stephen F. Austin roots. Keep that in the back of your head, Brad Underwood. Looks good in orange. You said don't sleep on Grant McCaslin. I'm, I'm taking a double dose of NyQuil and – going to bed comfortably that Grant McCaslin won't be the coach of Texas. Why not? I just, you got, this is too big of a pro. Actually, you can segue into my big thing, excuse my good thing. And I will discuss, uh, you know, North Texas, if you'd like. Well, I don't want to do that just yet. Okay. Pause. We'll do, we'll, we'll wrap it up here quick. Cause we still got to get to bets. Uh, but give me your quick thoughts on Illinois. What an up and down season sitting at 10 and five sky Clark left, left the program. They have some pretty solid wins against UCLA. That's a great win and Texas, who we just talked about uh, uh, with Beard. Uh, but they also have losses to Maryland. Penn State, I'm, uh, that's fine. I, I'm a Micah Shrewsbury guy. You must be the other guy. And then they got boat raced by Northwestern, who actually might be pretty decent. But then they rebounded with a win against Wisconsin. What the hell is going on in Champaign? I, uh, Northwestern's good. I think we got to start paying attention to them. They were on the border of me making them a good thing this week, but I, I'm eyeing Northwestern. Illinois can't figure it out, dude. Just cannot figure out this team whatsoever put some trigonometry on the chalkboard i probably can't figure that out either that's what illinois is to me right now no clue what's going on i played played them last week against missouri and they got absolutely boat raced and sure enough they come respond with this so underwood um so frustrating backing that guy i I still get shivers thinking of backing them last year in the tournament top right bracket center in the elite eight what a dumb decision by me um I, i i'm not touching them for a long time I had Underwood as my guy, my number one guy for about two years straight. And then I jumped off, I think last year when they were heating up and they were looking really good. Uh, They're just, I I don't know what team I'm getting with Illinois. Like you said, the algebra, I actually personally had most problems with proofs. That was where I I really stumbled and, and, and fell in. uh, Yeah. Can I switch them on to calculus? I actually was pretty good at trigonometry. Yeah. Trig actually wasn't too difficult. All right. Yeah. Switch me to calculus. All right. Struggled with that one. Yeah. All right. Uh, again, before we get to good things, let's go ahead and get to our bets and please, sir. I want some more. Please, sir. I want some more. All right. Let me recap. Last time we were all together. Shark, you go one and two Ohio plus three against Delaware. That hits Utah plus one against TCU. No, sir. TCU ends up winning that game in the must. Illinois blind line against Mizzou. To be honest with you, Father, uh, I did not actually look up what the line ended up being, but it didn't matter. (laughs) I know for a fact Illinois was not uh, was not dogs by. I think they lost by eighteen eighteen or so. Uh, Yeah, so that did not hit. I'm sorry. That's all right though. You went. It's calculus, man. I got. I failed the test. It was calculus. I didn't get. We're not John Nash over here. Taylor, on the other hand, goes zero for three. His second straight week 
his second straight week of picks without notching a winner. St. John's plus three and a half against Nova. Nova wins that outright. Louisiana Lafayette plus 18 against Texas. I think he wanted to bank on Texas reeling a bit. Uh, Texas ends up winning by, I think, 28. Wyoming plus nine and a half against St. Mary's. That's another team that's really trying to recoup all of their pieces and get fully healthy. But plus nine and a half against St. Mary's, that did not hit. So right now, as we stand, Shark at 500, six and six, Taylor at five and seven, shooting a 41.7% clip. Let me just give Taylor's bets real quick here. He's going to go to College of Charleston. Pat Kelsey, he's wearing the shirt. Minus one against North Carolina Wilmington. Xavier minus three against Creighton. Arkansas even against Bama. Shark, your turn to give us some winners. Uh, before I give the winners, I also have, if you've been following me on Twitter, whenever I get compelled, I'll do a Shark Saturday slate. Well, I just send out a video with my three picks for Saturday, given my, you know, White Lotus fandom and my deep research that I do. Those are actually at four and two on the year. So that could bring me up to what, 10 and eight, if you combine that with these picks that I'll do. I won't combine them for the purposes of the competition with Taylor, but the Saturday slate's doing well. If you want to follow that, I can't guarantee when the next one's going to be sent out. I just tell you real quick. I had yes. this very fleeting thought, depressing thought Sunday after the last NFL game, regular season game was played. I was like, God, I really could use some Lotus right now. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I know. <sighs> Sorry. Yeah, I digress. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a, thank you for sharing. That, that was beautiful. Um, but anyway, so my picks for Wednesday night here, um, my first one, SEC, Texas A&M, at home playing Missouri. I got this line at Texas A&M plus one. I don't know if this is going to change. I expect it to change. All right. Everyone loves Missouri. Everybody loves Dennis Gates. Uh, they, they played Arkansas tight. They blew that second half lead. Um, they beat Illinois. They beat Kentucky. A lot of that is happening at home. I want you to come into Buzz's house and do it down at College Station. So I'm back in Texas A&M. This is mainly a, a fade of Mizzou, Mizzou right now, but I like Wade Taylor the fourth. Uh, A&M's actually undefeated in the SEC right now. They didn't start well in the non-conference, but I just trust Buzz Williams. Bad taste in his mouth from last year, making the SEC championship game and then not getting in and off the bubble. I'm picking them over a team that I thought was not going to be very good in Missouri. A&M plus one. Next pick, Virginia Tech going up to the Carrier Dome in Syracuse. Virginia Tech is is favored by two points. Virginia Tech minus two against Syracuse. Vatex lost four straight games, brother. Hunter Couture has been out for every single one of those. He's had an elbow injury. He suffered it in Chestnut Hill against Boston College. They lost that game. They continue to lose all these other games. But I got I got sources. I got people that are telling me that Couture, game time decision for tomorrow night, but I think he's going to play. He is vital. He's a sharpshooter, all right? And he's like uh, American sniper. And he can put it, knock it in from anywhere. And playing against that 2-3 zone, I know the numbers may say the zone is good against the 3. You know, growing up playing basketball, anytime you see someone zoning you up, you know you're going to get some looks. And there's a lot of good shooters on Virginia Tech. You got Padula. You got uh, Mutz. You got our boy Grant Basile from uh, from Wright State. Not really much of a shooter, but can clog the middle of that paint. And really, Syracuse, all they have is Joey Girard. Um who, who knows what you're going to get in terms of his, his shooting. But, you know, Maddox has played well replacing Couture as well. And I, I just – I like Virginia Tech. I like Mike Young. You can't lose five straight games. They're supposed to be in the tournament this year. This is a must-win game for them. I think they got Miami coming up afterwards, so it could get real bad if they lose it. I'm going to lay the two with Bob Tech. I believe that's two picks. Did you not have a third? Oh, my gosh. I was just testing right there. My third. This is a blind line. I, I referenced it earlier in the podcast. I'm going to Saturday in Omaha. I don't the line. I'm taking Creighton over Providence. Providence will have not have played for a full week. They rode that high all last week. Everyone playing the Taylor Swift. Everyone saying Providence this, Providence that. Then they got to go cross the country into Warren Buffett's house, and you know Baylor Shireman Schlaffen Frost is going to hit like 18 threes against them because Providence thinks they got them him figured out. I'm taking Creighton. Creighton has a tough game. I will say this. They have a tough game. I know Taylor picked that one against Xavier uh, Wednesday night. I'm not touching that one. I got mine circled on the game against Providence back in Omaha. I'm picking blind line Creighton. Once I see the line, I'll send it out. The theme I'm seeing in these three picks, at least in two of these picks, is I want to I get hurt again. 
you called out Mizzou. Like I, for the listener, what I'm doing right now is literally recording this in an Excel sheet. And so the line below Illinois blind line Mizzou is Tamu plus one against Mizzou. And I think you gave me the same reasoning. Oh, everyone loves Mizzou. I'm not, I'm not, I love Buzz Williams. So I want to get hurt again there. And then PC. I haven't been against PC all year. I haven't been against Just generally speaking. Just generally speaking, stoking the flames. I'm just saying, I'm I'm picking the spot. I think it's a tough spot for Providence to sit out a week, read their press clippings, and then go into a very difficult environment with the preseason favorite to win the Big East. All right? That's playing that they they have to win. I mean, it's do or die time for Creighton. So that's why I'm playing the spot. Playing the spot with Virginia Tech, too. Desperate team. And then – yeah, I'm fading this. I just don't like this. <laughs> uh, so that's a good recap of the Sharks pick. Again, Taylor's is College of Charleston minus one against UNCW. Xavier minus three against Creighton, Arkansas, even against Bama. All right, Shark, let's go ahead, get on out of here on some good things. Hmm? All right, good things. Now you can talk about your good thing. Yeah, my good thing's Florida Atlantic, man. The Owls. You paying attention to these guys down there? I know you referenced them a couple of weeks ago for good mid-majors, but they get deserve their own good thing at this point. Florida Atlantic, led by head coach Dusty May, disciple of Mike Davis, Indiana, comes from that tree. He's been down there for a couple of years, never had a losing season. They are 14-1, undefeated 4-0 in Conference USA. They have not made a tournament. Florida Atlantic has only made one tournament. It was in 2002. They got an opportunity to break that drought at this point. They're led by Elijah Martin. He's a six foot two guard. Averages 5.4 boards a game. I can't compute that right there. I can't figure out how a a small guy can get up and grab you 5.4 boards a game. But they really play a lot of different guards on their team. Uh, Janelle Davis, Mike Forrest, a lot of guys can shoot the ball very well. They have some good wins. You ready for me to rattle these off? Florida, ever heard of them? I I just want you to know I, I rattled them off last week. But go ahead. Okay, whatever. Well, I'm going, I'm giving them their own attention at this point. We are becoming a Florida Atlantic podcast. Florida, North Bryant, North, Northern Kentucky, North Texas, your boy, Grant McCaslin. You want to go coach the Longhorns? Don't lose to Florida Atlantic. All right. That's what you don't do if you want to go coach the Longhorns. UAB, another big one against Jelly Martin there. So they have a very good team, like the way they play. And this is the biggest thing about them. They are 38 Kenpom. All right. That's better than a lot of teams that we have referenced throughout this show. That's better than the Miamis. That's better than Michigan, Wisconsin, Clemson, Northwestern, Penn State, North Texas. Better than a lot of teams. They're right behind Iowa. Missouri's got them by a little bit. Okay, actually, wait a second. Did I just read that wrong? I did just read that wrong. They're better than Missouri, too. All right, so Florida Atlantic is a team to keep your eyes on. They deserve their own good thing, not just some throwaway line and Subi's broad good thing. I'm glad you did bring them up. Uh, please stop, stop poking fun and and poo pooing North Texas. You know what you do do when if, if in an effort to get the Texas job, you beat Purdue in an NCAA tournament game. That's what Grant McCaslin did. Don't worry about the year. All right, don't worry about when that happened. FAU though, very good thing. Shark, you're an ACC guy. Riddled me this: Who's in sole possession of first place of the ACC? I mean, I Clemson. literally Clemson? texted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> were you were you playing that up? Dude, I'm sick. I you can't expect me to read text when I'm sick. Okay. That's I, fair. I actually had to think it. I had to pull it. Yeah, Clemson. Clemson. That is my good thing. Incredible job thus far from Brad Brownell, who I have been very, very rude to almost <laughs> to an extent. I've called him out plenty of times because, and I actually thought it was fair. I haven't been rude. I've been very critical. That's the word I'm looking for because Brad Brownell has been, and this has been a theme of the episode so far, just talking about secondary jobs when it comes to a school, what's more popular, the football team or the basketball team. We talked about Bama. Same thing goes for Clemson. And I think that actually served Brad Brownell well because in almost any other school, his level of mediocrity the past few years would not stand yet. He's still there. He's like Vince Vaughn on the, on the, uh, rings in old school, still holding, still holding. And he pulls himself up with a cigarette in his mouth. Brad Brownell really has done an amazing job there uh, at Clemson. And again, first place in the ACC. 
and a bad ACC. And, and, and that's a good thing for the Tigers because I'm not expecting them to end up winning this conference, but they could maybe get like a four or five seed coming out of this conference if they finish top three or something like that. That's not, that's not too far-fetched to think. And then, you know what? We'll see what the road looks like. But Clemson could actually be one of those teams where you look at the number next to them and you're like, how the hell did they get a five seed or a four seed? It's like, well, they won a lot of games in, in, in a down ACC. Uh, and they got Duke coming to town, I think, this upcoming weekend. They struggled in, in the nut. They struggled uh, in Conti Forum. So I think Clemson could absolutely beat Duke and continue their winning streak. Uh, they got a big road win against a very hot Pittsburgh team. They they may deserve their hug as well. But actually, the winner that was the hug game. The winner of Pitt Clemson was going to get this hug. Clemson ends up edging them out by one in Pittsburgh. So a little nugget for you people, a name to keep an eye on come tournament time and come conference tournament time, Jerome time, Hunter Tyson. Hunter Tyson is the star for Clemson. He's a Van Wilder candidate in his uh, fifth year at Clemson. By the way, Shark, I think we need to start doing like candidate programs. You know how uh, there's like the Rhodes Scholar. Uh, there's We should give the Van Wilder Scholarship or some candidate program. Uh, Hunter Tyson is there for Clemson. Fifth year there, averaging 15 and 10. He could very well be an all ACC team member. Like I said, the ACC is not great this year at all. They need to take advantage of this by continuing to play momentum, not sputtering, uh, and getting to mid-February maybe with like three losses in conference. That's how you set yourself up for success. So Clemson, very well done. Brad Brownell, I'll stop talking about you. I can't. I literally cannot stop. Do you photo? I do Photoshop? We need a Photoshop of Brownell's face on Vince Vaughn to doing, doing the what is that even called? The bar? Are they the Roman or? rings? No, yeah. no, no. It's the Roman rings. Yeah. Right? We need someone work on that Photoshop. I mean, that's perfect right there. Still holding Brad Brownell. All right, let's get on out of here, Shark. I know you're sick. I want you to make like Vic Mackey. What am I going to tell you? you get could, some soup. You, oh, you could have went a million different ways right there, but that's a good choice. <laughs> you go get some soup. Thank you again for listening. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. <laughs>